Hello and welcome to another edition of NEMT Radio. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and this week we are celebrating some of our national award winners. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to, in order, uh, Richard Ricky Battle, uh, our Paramedic of the Year, and in part two, Wayne Chan, who's uh, EMT of the Year from Munro Ambulance Service uh, in Munro, New York. But first of all, I'd like to welcome uh, Ricky Battle. Ricky, welcome. How you doing, Rob? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Good. And you're talking to us from L.A. as we speak right now, right? Yes, sir. The city of Hawthorne, where I live with my wife and my, uh, my kids. Wonderful. So I'm going to start off by really, hopefully not embarrassing you, but I want to read the citation that uh, was read out when you received your NAMT Velico Paramedic of the Year. And so uh, this is Richard Ricky Battle. Every day, do something nobody asked you to do is a motto Richard Ricky Battle lives by, especially in providing care to his patients. Working for the Los Angeles County Fire Department, Battle provides superior cardiac, trauma, and other emergent and non-emergent care. Not only does he practice and train others in EMS in proper life-saving techniques and care during transport, but he takes time to care for the family, securing the house, making sure the family knows where their loved one is being transported to, and using a language line for translator services. He understands the importance of providing emotional support to patients and their loved ones, who may be frightened, in pain or in distress. Through his actions, Battle can transform any scene from being a chaotic one to compassionate. He's an advocate for both patient and family. Battle also helps to educate crews about the importance of building good working relationships with nursing homes and long-term care facility staff. He devotes time to building the profession of EMS. He volunteers to help with the EMS clinical challenge and has been integral in promoting the diversity and equity themes in the challenge. Battle is an instructor, lifelong learner, and one of the most sought-after preceptors for LA County Fire. Ricky, that's an amazing uh, citation. And uh, first of all, you know, just go back to the moment where you got the got the call, and they said, <laughs> "Hey, you're it. You're going to be." And 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 just so you know, years ago, one of my own medics got this very same award paramedic of the year and actually he started calling himself potus right paramedic of the united <laughs> states there we go anyway that's enough about and, and sean, sean meese was his name sean if you're listening uh, what, a, what a great potus you were that year i'm now talking to the new one so you get the call what did you think well i got uh, uh i got i opened up my email and i saw it in there and because i'm a member of the fire service uh i immediately thought it was a prank i thought it was a joke uh thought somebody was goofing on me so i ignored the no, first firefighters wouldn't prank you would they good lord oh <laughs> yes sir they don't uh, they get up in the morning extra early for a good prank so i couldn't imagine which one but the, the thing is that they, they're 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 not as creative in such a subtle uh in, uh, insidious kind of manner so that it's usually kind of in your face so uh when i got the first email i was like yeah yeah ha 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 and then I went about my business and then I got the second email and I was like, oh, somebody's being pretty persistent. And then it wasn't until I got the third email and my my wife told me, hey, are you going to answer these emails? Uh, they're, 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 they're these, you know, because she 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 knows I don't check my email as often as I said, should. So she helps me out. And uh, and I go, what do you mean? And she goes, yeah, that's 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 real. That's a real thing. And I go. So I, I didn't believe it at first. Uh, so. It, uh, so now I went from thinking it was a joke to now thinking that whoever was gracious enough to to 
nominated and award me probably thought that I was being less than uh, gracious in, in, you know, taking so long to respond. So then I went from right in, you know, to kind of like damage control. Okay. Now these people are great. They're fantastic. I have the utmost respect for, for the organization. And now they think I'm basically blowing them off. So that's, that's how that went. Well, allow me to make another excuse for you. Of course, in these days of cybersecurity, Ricky, you just can't be too careful, right? You know, exactly. We have a whole, yeah. we have whole batteries of, uh, of online learning we have to go through. So yeah, I, I, I like your version better. I was being a conservative steward of the internet security. So I got, got the pleasure to meet you uh, on at the NEMT annual general meeting. I got the pleasure to like with many, many others to see you receive your award to actually see how humble you were, but also to see what great energy you have, Ricky, I got to tell you that. So Ricky battle, let, let's, let's sort of talk about you for a second. So what motivates you? Uh, I have a, there's a few things about me. I, I was always, I've always been a, a, a it's, it gets a bad connotation, but I, I don't think it's bad when you say you're a people pleaser. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're prepared to be a doormat for people. So, you know, it's just, it means I, I generally want people to, uh, you know, feel uh, heard and and uh, paid attention to and and valued. And I, I want to bring the smile and the love. So uh, that's been me all always, all the time. I'm a, I'm a joker. I'm a, I got the heart of a comedian. So I always want to bring the laughs and the smiles. So uh, just wanting to be any situation I'm in, I want to, if it's heavy, I want to light it up, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I also have, I also, am, I'm very aware of my own limitations. I'm not, I, I was an okay student in school. Uh, I, I don't have, uh, other than a college course here or there, uh, I'm just a, a average, an average guy, but I'm surrounded by what I, I I refer to as as the demigods of EMS, my own wife, uh, and through her I've gotten to meet many people who I who uh, occupy uh, what I consider uh, EMS Mount Olympus. So uh, Baxter Larman, uh, Dave Page, uh, and and then everybody every time I meet someone else, they lead me to someone else who's just the depth of, and the depth and breadth of their knowledge uh, in this business is just is is overwhelming and impressive. So now so. The uh, the flip side of that coin is that I know them now, and then they now they know me. So I'm also motivated in to not to not put anyone in a position who knows me to be embarrassed uh, because of me. I have also uh, understand that uh, my I have a I have a strong back and uh, and you know like and uh you know good hands so uh the only way one of the only ways i can define myself in my you know in my career in my chosen field is just just do good work do just do good work for myself and and my reputation means a lot uh i don't i think it's too much for anybody to try to demand or expect perfection but if you operate every day in good faith and trying to do the absolute best you can mistakes are going to happen. And that's just by definition of being a human being. But when you operate in good faith, uh, you can still look yourself, even with the mistakes, you can still look yourself in the mirror and just, uh, you know, and be okay and proud of the person you see. So uh, if I can do those things, then it means, then it means that I have the, it gives, it gives myself the room to be my normal chuckle, goofy self. Uh, <laughs> when I, you know, in my normal day to day, if people know that when it comes time to get busy, um, um, they can depend on me to do the job. So yeah, those are some of my motivating factors.
Well, you made me smile in the things you said, but of course you've had <laughs> some amazing role models there. You mentioned some fantastic icons of uh, oh, yeah. national EMS education, and and so for full disclosure, you mentioned the wife. Let's uh, say hello to oh. to Heather Davis. Of course, she is uh, a leading educator, uh, and I have yes. to tell you that Heather and I also team up on the uh, Stand and Deliver at EMS World Expo every year, where we try and help select the next big speaker so uh, a lot of respect for uh, for heather um yeah. and, and you mentioned others but of course it's your turn to shine now it's your turn to be <laughs> it's your turn to be the role model people now look to you will look to you as you know you're the you know you're the, you're the paramedic of uh, of the year which i think is an amazing accolade to have and uh, you know that you, you clearly are in the sort of patch adams school of medicine right you're making everybody <laughs> everybody's day brighter as you go into uh to to, the, to that patient encounter um but also the last line of your citation is you're one of the most sought after preceptors for la county fire so what's your approach to training education and clearly bringing people on into the job uh i believe for me it starts with the uh... The, the very, very first thing is realizing and understanding and accepting wholeheartedly the fact that because uh, they are a member of the EMS community, uh, that they are a family. They are automatically family from sea to shining sea, uh, worldwide, international, internationally. This job, the, the shape of the badge changes, the color of the shirt changes, but the challenges are the same. We deal with the same thing. Uh, uh, we, we, you know, we still, we walk the same, we march the same miles, if you, so to speak, uh, regardless of where you're from. So if you can get on board and accept the fact that these people, these individuals who, who are trying to, you know, become part of, you know, who are become medic paramedics, your training, uh, they're already family. And again, even if they're not already being hired, if you're just training them, if they're, if they're not being sponsored, if they're not already part of being, you know, paid, you know, or are part of an organization or a fire department or EMS service, just by want of them wanting to be, then that's a responsibility also. So if you can get behind that, then usually you decide, you just decide, how do we treat family? Now, now again, how, sh I should say, how should we treat family? Because we all have different families that we all know family dynamics, you know, but how we should treat family is we teach them what we think they need to know to be successful uh, in along the channel of, of what we're trying to teach them uh, this, in this particular one, EMS. After that, if they're learning, if everything's going fine, everything it's by definition, everything is fine. But when it comes time to correct them or adjust their behaviors, you do it in a manner that lets them know that you're, that their success is still what you you have their best interest at heart and you the the adjustments are just are only as firm as they absolutely need to be to get the, the needed effect you don't it's not an affront on anything and you don't take it personal but again you treat them like you should family you, the 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 I'm forgive me if I'm pronouncing the word admin ad, admonishments the corrections uh, even if you have to joke or give them a little razz or whatever, those are all still, they, it, it should be done in a manner that the person, even if they're embarrassed by it a little bit, because you know nobody wants to make mistakes, but at the core of it, they understand that you have their best interest at heart and it's coming from a place of, of affection and wanting to, to bring them up uh, to, to the level they need to be. Uh, if, you, if you can do that, it, 
it motivates the individual to want to do the best they can for themselves, the best they can for uh, a preceptor or a, a trainer who they know has their best interest at heart. And things tend to fall into place after that. Unfortunately, this gig, it, while it's not uh, EMS uh, pre-hospital care, while it's not it's not pediatric neurosurgery, <laughs> but it's there's enough in it that it is not for everybody. So you let the and you know, and when the time comes, you let a person know that there is absolutely no dishonor in finding out that this may not be a thing for you, or you may not have the aptitude. No dishonor at all. It is involved enough that it is not for everyone. Uh, and even in when delivering the, that news, if you if you cultivated a relationship with that individual, that they know that you had you did everything you could. We've all worked together, and in the end, we've come to that conclusion. It's something that they can accept. And even if they don't want to, you know, if they, they figure they're going to go give it another shot. That's totally cool. But in the moment, they accept it. And they understand that that everything was done uh, to get them where you wanted to. And, and as much as it may break their heart, uh, it, it breaks yours a bit too. So. I'm not sure if that answers your question. You have to forgive me. My answers tend to be a little long, long-winded. Forgive me. No, no, it was a perfect answer to my question, and thank you for that. And uh, clearly, relationship building and uh, creating rapport is something that you absolutely major in. And uh, <laughs> obviously, those external relationships, though, not only you know, not only with the the folk on the truck or or, or on the on the unit, but also you know getting on with people that are also under equal amounts of stress and pressure these days and that's you know you, you mentioned nursing homes long-term care facilities i'm sure oh. people in, in in eds and er's or whatever your, your abbreviation is for that yeah. but uh, i'm assuming you take the same approach when you are either handing a patient over or, you, or you've been on the wall for a long long time you know <laughs> there's another question right what what's your best strategy for three hours on the wall you know <laughs> uh i think it, it's in my system we uh uh, in my system, it's more of a, it's a fire-based system, which is why winning this award was, is so immensely humbling and a bit overwhelming for me. Uh, I came up uh, in a system where, uh, you know, EMS, we do EMS, it's, it's what we do is primarily what we do, you know, is, you know, you get way more EMS calls than fires. However, the culture is still fire, 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 rah, rah, rah. You know, and then we do EMS when we, you know, when we have to. So uh, that being said, when we have to deal with, you know, long times on the hospital, on the wall, uh, if you're dealing with uh, uh, convalescent or long care facilities, it's for me, I don't take it. It's not, it's not me against them. It's not, I don't take it personal. I don't, uh, I assume I embrace what I know, and I and I also embrace the fact that there's stuff I don't know. So I do not. I do. I, I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? I I don't propose to know the inner workings of an emergency department or how how what their business is, how you know what constitutes uh, an overwhelming condition in the hospital. I, I could see things here and there when I'm in and out. So for me. I mean, I, I'm I'm lucky and blessed enough to be to be compensated uh, well for for the job I do, so that makes it a lot easier too. When I'm on the wall, they're not wasting Ricky Battle's time. If I consider it a waste at all, but if you if I'm gonna consider it a waste, they're not. I'm already paid for that time. That time is no longer mine. And the County of Los Angeles 
they mandate that I do the I deliver the best care and I operate in a, in a manner professionally uh, that's professional and that brings no shame or uh, on the on the on county fire. So part of doing that is understanding my duties and just doing my duty. And if part of my duty is standing on the wall, if the county uh, tells me to stand on the wall, I'm going to stand on the wall. If uh, if you know I'm going to if if people out there with military in a military background, I'm going to stand the post. Come rain or shine, you know, cold weather, you know, good weather or bad, I'm going to do the duty or I'm just, or I'm, or I'm free to leave. So there's a decision as a grown up, you have a decision to make, you know what the job entails. I will stand to the, I will stand the post uh, until I'm properly relieved. I've given my turnover and I'm not mad about it. I'd, pr I'd much rather be back at the fire station or getting another patient. Yeah, but it's not, a, it's not a question of what I'd rather do because I'm not paid to do what I'd rather do. I'm paid to stand to post. So I stand to post and I keep the faith. And in so doing, I maintain uh, a demeanor that is jovial and lighthearted and letting the staff know, even when they are less than jovial and lighthearted, I let them know that if they're gonna be dealing with me, what they can expect is a smile and, uh, and, 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 and an easy way. And, uh, and that's it. If, if I am ever personally attacked, then I would I do what I am, what I called uh, uh, enthusiastic re-education. Sometimes people don't know exactly what my duties are. They think that they they expect something else from me, and then I have to educate them that that this is what I do. That's what I don't do. And at the same time, and, and thank you very much. And so, an enthusiastic enthusiastic reeducation of sometimes, but other even in so doing, I try to maintain a behavior and a demeanor that would bring no shame and uh, on myself or or uh, or the county, and and let people know that they're if they're, you know as, as squirrely as they may get with me. The, the 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 all they're gonna get is a smile. Or they're just gonna get a smile. So and it's it's kind of you have to be a highly motivated uh, individual to continue to to bark at somebody. And if there's if they're if, if it just bounces off and you you just shrug it off and smile and uh, yes ma'am and no ma'am yes sir no sir. So and this listener is why Ricky Battle is our paramedic of the year. Just <laughs> take those words in. Now for for, for the, this is an audio podcast and uh, we we've of course seen images of you and pictures of you but uh, for those that, that may not have done uh, you're an African American and mm -hmm. you are promoting heavily equity and diversity themes um in your area in your department and so you know to highlight you know the challenges and also you know the way forward for us. Just by the way you know, time marches on, you know, the old move on, the young come in, the young become the old, the old move on, the young come in. So just by, just the way that tend, that that cycle goes, uh, it's gonna, we're gonna get where we need to be. It's, not, it's gonna become a non-issue. That being said, what time frame is that, is that gonna occur in? As far as my own personal challenges, I gotta be candid. I'm a six foot two, 250 pound African-American, you have to be pretty motivated to want to give me a hard time if you don't if you don't know me. People who know me know that uh, I, 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 you know, it's I, I'm a I'm a softy. I wear my heart on my sleeve. The the lasting even when it comes to patients, if I in the instances where I have to actually physically convince a patient for their own good, because and because my policy in a situation my policy mandates I can't leave a, an altered patient on his own devices. It is that people know that when Ricky Battle has convinced someone to get on the gurney, it is the absolutely last thing. That is that, that they know that this is the last resort by rope. They know how I am. So, like I said, uh, but people who don't know, again, because of the aforementioned reasons, 
you got to be pretty motivated to want to give me a hard time. That being said, there are those, you know, who, who have wanted to do so in the past. Uh, but my, you know, couple that with the fact that I'm uh, my open, jovial, I uh, tend to be, uh, you know, pretty, I'm pretty jokey, pretty half, happy, pretty laughy kind of guy uh, in general. Uh, even people who may have wanted to have an issue with either me personally or me based on, uh, you know, more insidious reasons, a uh, race, uh, you know, differences in culture, uh, they they find themselves, if not disarmed, they find themselves, I, in my experience, I can only speak from my own personal experience, they find themselves having to come to a point where they have to question how big a, a jerk they're actually being. And I use jerk in 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 substitution of some other words, insert, insert whichever yeah, one I think, you like. I think we'll stay at the jerk level, but I yeah, think we'll everybody yeah, we'll listening, he gets, <laughs> we get it. Yeah, so, you know, and then the people in, in the past, when I have had, had issues, there have been enough people around who can plainly see that the issue is that person based on their behavior and based on my response to it. You can only do the, you can only be that person for so long before your own peers or who people you consider your peers start to call you to carpet. The disparities that, the disparities that occur uh, are heartbreaking, uh, is, especially as an African-American person. Not even if you go back, just, just going back to the history, not even the, not even the violent history, just, the, just when you think about it, how many great minds, how much talent, how much things we've, we've, you know, can be wasted when you write someone off based on the, the cover of the book. It's heartbreaking. I, I always tell people we 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 would have we'd have colonized colonized Mars by now if we if if we had just nurtured you know the potential greatness in minds instead of what we ended up doing to them. Uh, yeah, that's all. No, I can, thank you, I thank you for for addressing that with me. And uh, oh. um, again, some some remarkable thoughts there. And, and again, I hope people listening ponder on that. Um, as, as we come to a close again, and I suspect we, we're going to talk about how, you know, your character comes to the fore. But of course, you know, this says that Ricky can transform any scene from being chaotic into compassionate. <laughs> um, in, we we live in a world where we're, we're we're dealing with with some you know really serious traumatic issues. We're dealing with high levels of drama, even if it's not us, it might be the patient. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what's what's the Ricky battle method of of going from a from a panic level of 10 in the room to bring it back down to a zero? <laughs> uh, well, I want to start off by saying that I am not a saint uh, because I'm, I am I was born in the, I mean, my, my, I came up in the fire culture to the point I am now. So I, I can be just as roughnecky as some people to a degree. So when I'm riding to the call, I'm talking trash, I'm goofing off what, what, what are we going on? Blah, blah, blah. That's, that's uh there's a, there's a therapy in that, you know, you know, so, uh, but when I get on scene, immediately I I get back to the fact that I have no idea what this person is going. I have no, I don't know what their past. I don't know what things. I, I only touch, even if I spend an hour or so with a patient. I have only, I, I haven't even scratched the surface of what makes this person who they are, what they've gone through to get here. What I do know is that they are a person, and what I do know is all the things that I don't know about this person. So I'm gonna love this person. The county pays me to love them. And I'm going to, I mean, even without the county paying me, I'm going to love that. I want to love them. I'm going to love this person. And again, it's one thing to say it, but you have to know what you're saying. I'm going to love them. I'm going to treat them like family. I'm going to come in there and everything I do is going to be for the benefit of the patient. I'm not, as much as I love my crews, 
if it means we have to go an extra uh, someplace as long as the patient's position allows it or you know i'm gonna if i'm gonna go to the hospital they want to go to i'm gonna go to the place you know that's as best as best suits the patient either by request or by per the criteria i'm going to come in there and i'm going to let that patient know that i that i am just as flawed as he is he is not the only or he or she is not the only person they may feel like it but they are not the only person who wakes up every you know every every so often with a dirty face you know they are not the only person who's got some you know that 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 has scraped it you know and uh and just through through you know grace and hard work and luck uh, I would, I'm just in a little bit different place than that individual is. I will, I beg them because I, I embrace the fact that I may be the only thing standing between uh, another night on the street in the cold, uh, another night uh, where they're worried about somebody hurting or attacking them, another night dealing with stomach pain that may or may not be, uh, may be benign or malign, uh, things that I don't know in the field offhand. Uh, I may, and, and even if I can just save them from another hour uh, or day of having of dealing with those struggles, I know how limited I am. So I have to be satisfied with what I can what I can do. Uh, I do that. Uh, I I talk to them like I love them. I talk to them like the way I would want someone to talk to any one of my family members if I wasn't there. Uh, I just do that. It to me, it's it's very simple. If you get out of, you know, if you don't take it personal, you know, if they're not there to hassle you, they anyone who calls nine one one, even if it turns into a reason that we think is a little, for lack of a better term, goofy, what must that person be going through that I don't know about to make them want to do something that the average individual wouldn't do? So I I I do I I. I I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, I just love them. And I come in and I love them. Once I'm all, once they're all taken care of, I may get back on the rig and go, oh my gosh, what was that about? Oh, that, you know, you know, you, you know, did you see this? Or did you see that? Oh man, that was, that was, that was, that was crazy. But why, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not bad mouthing the patient, but I'm just, you know, I take my, I, I, I exhale when I get back on the, on the rig or when I'm done with the call. But even then, uh, the, the you begin by understanding that whatever you think you know, whatever I'll give you whatever you may actually know is a drop in oceans of what you do not know about this individual. So you give so when you think about that, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And the benefit of the doubt is you love them up. You don't let them run all over you. You don't you don't let them dictate the call to the point to where now it's no longer in your control. <clears throat> it's not necessarily a concierge service. But it is when you consider that my my you know when it comes to getting them what they need, what I believe they need, and even if it's only to save them for another you know get them up and get them where they need to be for the next day. There's a quote in one of my favorite movies called The Guardian <clears throat> with Kevin Costner. He's a uh, a lifeguard swimmer, and they asked him who he somebody asked him who who he chooses, who he saves first, and he said that he takes the first person he comes to or the weakest person in a bunch. And he swims as I may have a little bit off here, but he swims as fast as he can and as hard as he can for as long as he can. And then the sea takes the rest, which means he does. But in that sense, he does everything within his power to make the most positive outcome, create the most positive outcome, knowing that being a human being, there's going to be some that, that he can't that he can't he can't save.
and if you, but if you can look yourself in the mirror and you can say, I've done everything I can. Everything was for the patient. It wasn't because I was tired. It wasn't for, none of it was for me, for my comfort. I did everything I can. And I saved the ones I can, can I can, I affect the ones I can. And, uh, and, you know, God helped, you know, God helped the rest. So. Ricky, I think we need to bottle the battle because that is uh, <laughs> that that attitude and that energy needs to be passed amongst everybody that's out there on the streets. And so hopefully, everybody, you've got some amazing takeaways from uh, our first guest here, uh, Ricky Battle. Uh, Ricky, listen, uh, I want to thank you very much for joining me on this uh, very special edition of NAMT Radio. And uh, I hope and I know that we'll see more of you in the future, right? Rob, I thank you very much to you and the people listening. Uh, again, it is an immense honor, and, and it, is, it is my due pleasure to, to have done this with you. And I want to thank everybody out there just for the, the graciousness and the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and, and uh, I'm, even now, even after a month or so of having the only word, I'm still a little bit speechless in how I want to express in expressing it. But, I mean, much love to you all. Be safe. Be safe. If we lose one, that is, that it, that is a ripple uh, it's we, we can't afford to lose, lose even one. So one of you out there. So be safe, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and take care of the patients and, uh, and uh, do right by the creed. And uh, again, much love to you all. Thank you again, Rob. It's been, an, it's been an absolute pleasure. You enjoy your day, my friend. Thank you very much. That was the paramedic of the United States, as I call them, POTUS. That was the uh, the uh, NAMT paramedic of the year, Ricky Battle. And uh, before we go to the break, don't forget, uh, if you're listening, make sure you hit that little check mark on the top of uh, the platform that you're listening to us on. It means that you liked and subscribed so that every time an edition of NAMT Radio comes along, you get notified. Also, give us five stars. Please give us some amazing reviews so we go up the searchability. And let's just go to a quick break. Hey, I'm McCara Trusty. I am not only an NAEMT member, I'm also a, a member of the Lighthouse Leadership Committee. NAEMT, with support from FirstNet, built with AT&T, has developed a course to assist EMS agencies in building and supporting the mental health resilience of their personnel. The Mental Health Resilience Officer, or MHRO, course prepares EMS personnel to serve as their agency's mental health resilience officer. In this role, the MHRO will engage with peers to develop an understanding of mental health issues and resilience, identify peers who are experiencing mental health stressors and crises, navigate peers in need to the right services for help, and support the development of a culture of mental health resilience and emotional wellness within the agency. Available online and in a classroom format. And when your agency signs up for NAEMT membership, they will receive free access to this critically important course. For more details, contact membership at naemt.org or follow the links in the show notes. And we're back. And in this edition of NAEMT Radio, if you haven't worked it out already, we're talking to our national award winners. And what a great conversation we just had with Ricky Battle. And we go from Paramedic of the Year to EMT of the Year. And I'd like to welcome for this half, Wayne Chan. Wayne, welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Rob. So uh, I appreciate it. 
as with uh, as with Ricky, I'm going to read uh, your uh, citation, and so uh, everybody can actually hear uh, all about you. So, uh, Wayne Chan, um, EMT Wayne Chan, has been an EMT for over 20 years, and is the president and training officer for Monroe Volunteer Ambulance in Monroe, New York. He's also a delegate to the Orange County EMS Council and serves as the treasurer for the Hudson Valley Regional EMS Council. Chan's patient care skills are exemplary and his confidence makes everyone around him feel they are in good hands. Chan has a way of interacting with patients and their families that instantly puts them at ease. He's methodical in his scene and patient assessment. He communicates with the family and accurately reports to the hospital to ensure the best possible outcomes. Chan is a patient advocate and has built a great rapport with area physicians and healthcare administrators to request help with volunteer retention, funding and equipment and long patient turnover times at the hospital. He also continues his education path in active shooter events by researching and participation in drills to refine his skills in responding to mass casualty incidents. He holds monthly drills for the agency's youth squad and seeks training opportunities to bring it back to them. Chan received both the Orange County's and Hudson Valley's Educator of the Year Awards in 2018 and the Orange County New York Meritorious Service Medal for contributions in EMS in 2019. That's a remarkable citation, Wayne. And uh, again, congratulations on being our EMT of the Year. Thank you very much, Rob. Um, so for those that uh, were listening in part one would have heard me read Ricky Battles. And I say there's a lot of similarities between you two in terms of, honestly, your attitude and your approach towards patient care. So what's the secret sauce? What makes a good EMT? Um, what makes a good EMT is somebody who has uh, compassion for the patient, no matter what their problem, be it large or small. Um, they have to be open-minded, always willing to listen and learn new ways of doing things because there's more than one way to do things. And sometimes you can learn from other people very readily. Um, I also, which I didn't mention before, I, I teach for National Ski Patrol, their medical outdoor emergency care course. And as an instructor, I, I teach with other instructors and I'm continuously learning other tricks and other things to do. Um, as far as medical care is concerned. And I've learned from other EMTs and paramedics. So if you always keep an open mind, you can learn you can learn so much from people. And I find when I teach it, it helps me hone my own skills. Teaching uh, younger people and younger EMTs, which I, which I enjoy doing. Um, I find that EMTs, always bring calm to chaotic situations. You go into somebody's house, the family's upset. It's it's easy if you're compassionate that everybody, everybody will calm down and make things much easier. Um, that's basically how I feel about uh, what makes a good EMT. That's uh, again for everybody listening. The, these are in in these two gentlemen we've spoke to this morning already. You can start to see there's a theme emerging about the compassion, about what used to be called, I guess, the old-fashioned bedside manner, right? About how you deal with people and how you put them at ease and actually just to bring them down to a to a calmer level. And and I have to say that both of you have managed to 
to to provide that uh, today. Now, as the EMT, I mean, how is your experience being teaming up with paramedics? Of course, there's always that kind of sometimes tension, sometimes great camaraderie. How has your experience been over the years? I've had great experience with paramedics. Um, A lot have taught me stuff. um, They've learned stuff, little tricks from me. And it's a give and take relationship, especially when you you get to a, a serious call. We have to depend on each other. And a lot of times um, we don't get to work as a volunteer paramedic arrives on scene. I don't work with him constantly. So it, it's very initially a little hard when I first started, but now it's very easy to get along with the paramedics and we're all professional and we know what we have to do. So not only are you the EMT of the year, but also you are the president of a volunteer uh, ambulance unit. And, you know, we've seen in the last few years, particularly post-pandemic, that uh, volunteers, volunteerism is becoming tough. It's a challenge. And, uh, you know, around the country, we're seeing, you know, organisations closing and shuttering. You know, how are you keeping your particular volunteers motivated and then is there any kind of advice you want to want to offer to others that you know are in that volunteer realm that that might be struggling with membership and with participation i I think right now we're all struggling because after the pandemic even paid emts a lot of them quit because it was very stressful during that time because um, now you're worried about your own safety you're worried about what you're bringing home to your family Um, As far as keeping volunteers, the trick is to keep them engaged, okay? It's it's a big challenge because um, most people just want to help the community, help others. So we have to keep them engaged. We have to, um, like buying new equipment, having drills that that are entertaining, not boring. the compassion you have you have to give them the praise they deserve um, another thing we i worry about which we've had in the past is uh, mental health for first responders and emts i've had so many times i've had new people with me they take a, a serious call and they quit they don't want to do it anymore and and i feel we feel kind of guilty because we'd like to talk to them explain to them and in the past, I've been doing it so long, in the beginning, like I was told, well, just suck it up. And that's not the attitude to have anymore. The All EMTs need that compassion, need to be able to speak to somebody. And we really don't have something in place for them that we're working on. I know in, in Lower Hudson Valley, we're working on that now, putting that in place so people can express their, their, their problems or if they have thoughts after a bad call, they can go and talk to somebody and not feel any peer pressure that they would be considered weak or anything like that. So I was listening to a podcast uh, only last week and one of the guests was uh, GMR's wellness expert, Rhonda Kelly, who is, you know, sort of a national authority, if you like on this. She said something that really struck me and I hadn't given this a lot of thought before, but uh, you know, the, the mind and the body don't mature until about the age of 23, 24 years old. Okay. And so particularly in volunteer rescue squads, you you have a lot of youth come through and, the, you know, the 18, 19-year-old may be exposed to a degree of trauma that perhaps their college friends or their school friends couldn't even imagine. 
and we need to be more cognizant of that because of course their own welfare and, and uh, you know mental health and well-being needs to be factored in because that mind is still maturing and we do need to do more to look after these youngsters particularly and i say youngsters i'm looking at me the oldster and you <laughs> we need the spring chickens but and i'm sure we've we've been there seen it and done it but there are folk that are coming through that we need to be cognizant of the fact that they're being molded and actually we don't want to create a a lifelong stigma or a lifelong you know um, um, deficit because we haven't looked after them when we should have done perhaps Yes, what we usually do, if somebody takes a serious call, we talk to them after the call, and then we follow up two days, three days later, and then a week later to make sure they're all, all right. Um, we also, for the younger kids, we call their parents, let their parents know what the signs, what signs to look for, that they're having a problem dealing with a call they took. No, and, that's, that, 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 those, are, those are wise words, and, uh, you know... Are you managing to attract that kind of, you know, I talked about the youth and obviously the the, the, the challenge and the risk to doing so, but uh, are you still, you know, recruiting them from a, from a younger age or, you know, how, how is recruiting going in the volunteer world right now? Um, we're the, the younger kids were recruited. They were, were recruiting. A lot of our, we have a youth squad and most of them go off to college. It, it actually helps them in their college applications, but I had a lot, that started with us as youth members, went to EMT school. And when they come back from college on the weekends or during the holidays, they'll ride with us and they'll, they'll pick up calls and take calls. So that that takes the strain off of us, of us older people, <laughs> so to speak. And in the summer, they're around and they ride, which is very nice. And it's always nice to see the younger people on the ambulance because they have a different slant and, and outlook in life than the, than the older people do. And it makes a it makes a good mesh. It keeps us young. Yeah, mixing mixing generations and whichever letter of the alphabet you are in terms of your age, and obviously you, you get a different experience um, dealing with those that from from younger generations. And obviously we have to learn to react with not only the patients of different generations, but obviously our work fellows as well. And so I, I, yes. I'd imagine you you've you must have enjoyed that over the years. I'm sure. Yes, I. I over the years, I have three children, and they all rode with me on the ambulance, and they enjoyed it. And now that they're much older, I see the younger kids, the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds coming in, and I enjoy talking to them and laughing and kidding with them. I think the idea behind riding in ambulances, we all have to keep that, that sense of humor, and we have to be able to laugh. Indeed, uh, you didn't hear my chat with Ricky, um, but I'm sure you listened to this on the on the the the, the rewind. But uh, right, exactly the same uh, qualities are, are coming through here, which I'm I'm really really delighted to hear that uh, we have two folk that uh, from different parts of the country <laughs> with national awards that have that that personality which uh, everybody listen I, I said this in the first half this is the we need to we, we're, i've already bottled some some ricky battle and now i'm going to bottle some wayne chan for that uh, that that persona so please please take it forward um one of the things that i saw that you're very interested in is uh you know creation of uh, active shooter drills and, and and research and obviously we've again sadly seen that happen in the country um you know what are, what are the key learning points takeaways and teaching points that you try and instill into into your folk and, and the drills that you're running 
Um, that's kind of a hard question. I try to instill them that this is, you know, you go to drills and drills and drills, but I, I always express to them that this is very serious. Um, once we have to put a bulletproof vest on, it's all business. And even with the older members, before you decide that you want to be part of uh, a rescue task force team, which goes in to the, the warm zone, that you have to realize that you can get hurt. There, there is, it, usually with the police, they protect us very well. All the drills I've been in, all the education I've taken, the police have been taught to protect the, the EMTs and their paramedics going in. Um, I've taken advanced active shooter courses at uh, New York State Homeland Security site in Ariskany. And they, it's a big class and drill where police and EMTs get to learn to, and paramedics get to learn to work together as one. Whereas before we were very, very splintered and contained in our own little worlds, but we have to bring both, both worlds together. Um, the idea is to remain calm and do what you're taught. And the more you, the more you drill, the better you, you are, the more you practice, 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 because when the actual thing happens, we don't rise to our expectations. We fall to our, our lowest level, which is our skills, because it's ingrained to us. We know what to do. We're not apprehensive because we know what to expect. And obviously you're, you're training muscle memory there as, or, and, uh, yes, cerebral, cerebral memory and confidence to rely on the drills and the training. And, uh, I think that's a, a, a very, very wise idea. Um, where do you think we're going as, as a profession? Um, now that you have the, the, the weighty title of uh, EMT of the year, what would you like, what would you like to see us do next, Wayne? I don't know. Um, the salary ranges for EMTs and paramedics need to need to increase. Um, these people are out here making a career out of it, and for what they're getting paid, I, sometimes I can't figure out how they support a family. I did this as a volunteer. I worked in, in for corporations in in computers, and it was a lucrative field for me. I've always wondered how these people. Um, provide for their families. Most of them work the, the usual 40 hours and put another 10 hours in an overtime to make ends meet. And they're just, I find a lot of these EMTs, paramedics are just so dedicated. I mean, they can go anywhere else and do other things, get paid more, but they love the, they love the work they do. And they're a great bunch of people to be around. You know, uh, I've always said this isn't a job. This is a way of life. Um, and uh, I think you've just kind of uh, wrapped that up as well, the, the fact that people are doing this. And, and But, yes, we do need to be able to uh, resource them some more. And, you know, if you're listening out there, one of the ways that we can do that is, of course, by lobbying for, you know, extra extra benefits. Uh, by If you're in a state that isn't an essential service, if you're in a state that has pretty low reimbursement rates, of course, the way that we can try to fix some of those things is to, uh, you know, join the, dare I, I hate to use the word politics, but I'm going to use it. There we go. The political process of uh, getting involved both locally at the state level and nationally. Um, next year, of course, NAMT are already planning next year's uh, NAMT um, EMS on the Hill Day, which is going to be in uh, April of next year. So look out for that coming up. And it's your chance to come and join us on the Hill to actually advocate for some of the things that 
Wayne has just talked about. So nice, nice segue, Wayne. Thank you for doing that to allow me to talk about uh, what's coming up next year for NAMT. Before we go and before we kind of end this uh, this this chat, uh, you know, what would you say to other EMTs out there that now hope to follow in your footsteps? That's a tough question. Um, just doing what you're doing. I, I won this award. And as I said, when I received the award, I don't do anything that other EMTs and paramedics do. Okay. I was surprised to receive the award because I'm no different than any other EMT or paramedic out there. <laughs> and I think we all deserve an award for the, for the, the job we do. We go into people's homes, not knowing what to expect. We bring, like I said before, we bring calm into a chaotic situations. And most people don't realize EMTs and paramedics are, are putting their lives on the line too every day. You walk into a house, you don't know what you're walking into. Um, a lot of times the dispatchers, the people tell the dispatchers one thing on the telephone, we get there and it, the situation's worse. So just do what you do and do it because you love it, not because you have to. Well, you've summed that up beautifully, you know, not a job, a way of life. And uh, we're running in as others are running out and we're restoring calm from where there was chaos. And so thank you for for doing, thank you for doing what you've been doing and uh, thank you for your service. And uh, Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure. I was, I was actually sitting just behind you on the night of the awards and uh, had a chance to watch you go up and receive your, uh, your oh. award. So uh, it was, it was a pleasure to see that. Um, and I hope we see and hear from you again very soon in the future. I hope so too. Thank you for giving me the time. So that was another edition of NAEMT Radio. It's been my absolute pleasure to chat to both Ricky and to Wayne. And hey, I got to tell you, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. You know, attitude is everything. Let's bottle that. The, the, the approach to patient care, the approach to the future, um, it's all there. So there's some real takeaways in this edition. So once again, don't forget, you uh, like and subscribe on the platform that you are listening to us on. And we're on many uh, social media platforms now. So wherever you're listening to your podcast, take a second just to give us five stars. Give us a great review, like and subscribe. So once again, thank you to Wayne. Thank you to uh, Ricky. This has been uh, NEMT Radio. I've been Rob Lawrence. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>